The Beauty Biz, brought to you by serial entrepreneur and aesthetic clinic chain founder, Esther Fieldgrass. Your regular insider peek into the beauty and wellness industry. Hi all, Esther here. Welcome back to The Beauty Biz, your sneak preview into the world of wellness, beauty and aesthetics. Some 12 years ago, I met a man who specialised in sleep wellness. We immediately had a great affinity as he was in tune with many of the holistic approaches to the body and mind, which I've been studying for the past 25 years. As those of you who have listened to my previous podcast are aware, I'm always looking at new wellness concepts. For me, stress and not being able to sleep or rest is a precursor to ageing prematurely and also causes focus and concentration issues. So today I'm delighted to introduce you all to Tej Samani. Welcome Tej. Thank you, Esther. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today. So a little background about me and how I became interested in the topic of sleep deprivation. Well, truth be told, I grew up with severe sleep problems as a child. That then transcended into school, and it was genuinely one of the root causes of why I performed so badly when I was in school. Fortunately, I had a great passion when I was growing up, and that was to play tennis. So to compound the trouble that I had with sleep, to add on the ambitions of being a professional tennis player and the the physical aspect of the training from such a young age, didn't really help me that much. So I ended up suffering quite a lot as a child at a very I mean you're talking kind of when I was three four five years old sleep almost became one of the worst parts of my day because I was just so phobic of going to bed you can imagine the stress it placed on mum and dad because I'd wake up at night I started then to really feel the consequences when I was in school it was affecting my memory it was affecting how I was processing information this then didn't go away until I was about 13 years old. The best way to describe it is is it's a cocktail of fear, anxiety, added to the fact that it becomes then very physical because you're just so exhausted all the time. And, and when you're that young, you can't figure out why you're so exhausted. I then um, started playing professional tennis. I left school at 15 to, to pursue a career in professional tennis. Thankfully, by then, most of the effects of the sleep deprivation that I suffered when I was growing up had worn off. I, in fact, went to, and I remember her clearly. Her name was Jenny, and she was a cranial therapist, uh, somewhat of a magician. And she she did some phenomenal therapy on me. And lo and behold, it sorted itself out. I, I could sleep again. And And for me... When I was going to doctors and when I was seeking advice, they couldn't really distinguish the difference between sleep deprivation and insomnia. And I think it's important to know that, that they are two very different things. And I feel that we're living in a society today that is very, very sleep deprived with the onset of technology, with the fact that stresses and strains of day to day life are only increasing. The one thing that gets affected is our sleep. So I became interested in this this phenomena that is sleep because it's the only activity we have as humans that replenish our organs in our body, help us develop a healthy mindset and a healthy uh, mind-body balance, to then pursue it after my career as a tennis player because it was so vital. We were training 10 to 12 hours a day, six days a week, in the heat of battle, in the heat of competition. It was just so important to make sure that the strain you put on your body, you're then recovering at night. And the only way you can recover is get a good and decent night's sleep. That then led me to develop a a real passion in this subject around recovery. So it wasn't so much sleep that I was interested in. It was more so how do we perform 
at our best? How do we perform optimally every day? And look, real simple, the oldest form of torture in the world is sleep deprivation, right? If you want to get the best out of someone or you want to get the worst out of someone or you're looking to uncover secrets in, in someone, keep them awake. And it's it's done, it's tried, it's tested. Uh, and I bet, look, I mean, I, I bet you can remember the last time where you had a, a inconsistent night's sleep. You wake up in the morning and you feel like death. And someone says something to you and it just triggers your mood. It's one of the few aspects in the study of mental health and the study of well-being and the study of wellness that we are in control of. We, we have this innate gift of sleep. We just need to learn how to do it properly, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today. Yes, we are. But I, I know in your past, many years ago, that you actually also worked with um, Anthony Robbins. Right, yeah. And how, how has that helped? Or so, not helped? Well, why did you go in that direction? Right. So um, imagine a 15-year-old kid having uh, been kicked out of three schools by the time he was 15 because he couldn't pass an exam, disruptive, disengaged, and all I wanted to do was play tennis. That was it. That was my escape from being so bad at school. Uh, and I do attribute a lot of it. I, I, again, I'm not making excuses. I, I really was bad at math. But the fact that I had it, almost nine years worth of sleep deprivation didn't really help the cause. So the family decided that at 15, I needed an intervention. And that intervention was given to me by uh, one of my favorite people on earth. It's Anthony Robbins. I had, I had the, the great pleasure of spending uh, almost six, seven years with him uh, on the road, going to his seminars and working working with him. And that really, for me, was eye-opening because I, there's a kid, me at 15, who had been shot from failing school, uh, realized that actually playing professional tennis wasn't as easy as just getting up and hitting tennis balls over the net. I wanted to be number one in the world at the time. I, Roger Federer was number one in the world. Agassi and Sampras had just finished. And yeah, they were pretty good at the time. They, they were significantly better than me. I soon came to the conclusion that there were a thousand odd people on the circuit better than I was. And for me to um, get to where I needed to get to, I needed to win. Uh, and I needed to develop that killer mindset, that mental toughness that I really didn't have that much of because I kept getting beaten up in school from just performing so badly, from, from a system that doesn't really do much for underperformers. So I, I again I, I then I then got introduced to Tony at one of his first events, which for me was absolutely life changing. Um, I had three days of complete immersion. I mean, you're going back nearly 16, 17 years now, and that was the pivot point for me. And then I spent that good, like I said, good five, six years on the road with him. And and um, the second person I then met was was you. Straight after I finished um, finished on the circuit with Tony, and, and here we are today. And here we are today. <laughs> I, I can well remember that first meeting with you, right. Tosh. I really do. But again, you know, from being with Anthony Robbins, and I understand your your childhood and and how sleep actually affected you. But what actually gave you the thought I'm going to do something with this because. You know, you mm. could have done a million and one things after mm. being with Anthony Robbins, but mm. why go back into looking at sleep? For me, it was a love of wanting to help people get the best out of themselves. And I wanted to channel that more towards students. So I thought to myself in, in the early days, if there's one area that I wanted to study the most, what would it be? And that was around human behavior. I was so um, curious as to why the kids sitting next to me in class would get the praise, was doing really, really well. And I'd get I'd get beaten up because I wasn't doing really, really well. <laughs> What's he doing differently that I can't? I'm breathing the same oxygen. I got 
five, you know, I got, I got ten fingers, ten toes. I have hair, I have a nose, I'm breathing the same air as he's breathing. What is he doing differently to me? And that, to cut a long story short, I developed this, this healthy obsession, if I can call it that, into finding out why I failed so much growing up. Which of which one of the subjects that was so close to me was the the terrors I used to feel when I was going to sleep at night when I was growing up as a child. So that's where I started. I wanted to look at, well, it's a process of elimination. Why did I fail? One, well, I wasn't sleeping. So let's start there, because if I'm not sleeping, all the studies indicate. I mean, I just I, I read um, very recently and the, the study's been out for a while that 17 hours of being awake increases your blood alcohol content up to 0.05%. What, without having any alcohol? Without having any alcohol. Wow. Being awake for 21 hours, and most of us today are awake for 17, 18 hours, right? We're living in an 18-hour culture, increases it to 0.08. There was a study done, um, if I can recall, it was about 40 people in the study, uh, and they their reaction times were 50% slower from experiencing sleep deprivation than from drinking alcohol. So, yes, there is such a thing as being sleep drunk. So that would actually lead me on to my next question, is how much sleep does one really need? This is the, the biggest question within this, within this particular topic, within this particular field. There's how much sleep you need to survive, and there's how much sleep you need to thrive. So the survival answer is you need your seven and a half to eight and a half hours just to survive, just to keep going. You have to obey your body's sleep cycle. If you don't get your seven and a half to eight and a half, and even then seven and a half hours is cutting short, you really want to be at that eight hour maximum. If you're not getting that, yes, you're going to survive. I mean, it's not going to kill you yet. But if you compound that over eight, 10, 15, 20 years, immediately... And what people need to think about with sleep is it's the only thing we have that allows your organs, your liver, your kidneys, your intestines, your stomach, all of the magic that happens in your body that enables you to eat, live, breathe, function, perform, hit the gym, develop cognition, reason, have intellect, have the ability to think. Everything that's enabled us to evolve from our our ape ancestors and from our animalistic tendencies at times is the fact that we can recover at night, is the fact that we give ourselves uh, rest at the end of the day. So to survive eight, to thrive, I'm convinced we need at least nine to 11. Wow. Do you know anybody that sleeps nine to 11 hours? Yes, I do know people who get nine to 11. Um, I've met some of the most successful people, some of the most wealthiest people in the world. They program every single aspect of their day around ensuring that at the least they're getting eight to nine hours of sleep. Is that in, in one go or are they sleeping part of it during the day and the rest That's at night? That's in one go. Wow. Right. There's been copious amounts of studies around power napping. Look, to cut to the chase, we in this country do not live in a society that's going to harness a power nap. I mean, you can just imagine it's it's you're 27 years old. You've, you've entered into your first job and all of a sudden your boss finds you asleep at your desk and you're trying to justify the fact that power napping is good for you. Um, it ain't <laughs> going to happen. I get that. I get that. So we're not living really in a society. It's a shame. We're not living in a society which really fosters power napping. Uh, we don't have the environment for it. So I think we should try and stop attaining that. Yes, if you can have a nap, fantastic. But often I found um, a lot of people feel worse after a nap. 
right? And if you're sleep deprived and you have a 15 to 20 minute power nap, you're going to end up feeling more sleepy because your body's accumulated this thing called sleep debt, which literally over time, your body, if you're not giving it the optimal amount of sleep, accumulates debt. Okay. You've got to pay it off. So I'm, I'm going to just throw something in here. You know, I've been meditating for nearly 40 years right. now maybe longer. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, you know, you do it twice a day, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And they say this is actually very regenerative. Mm. I mean, how do you compare that with sleep? Meditation is absolutely uh, regenerative, for sure, without a doubt. It's not a replacement for sleep. A 30-minute meditation cannot substitute for a good eight to nine hours of restful sleep. Meditation, uh, and I'm a big fan, I meditate 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening before I go to bed, uh, for me, is optimal on a personal level for calming my mind down. Our brain is full of electricity. We have over a, a billion synaptic uh, connections being driven. Everything, it's working in overtime. But believe it or not, your brain works faster when you're asleep than when you're awake. So meditation is very good for calming the mind. It's very good for lowering the electrical frequencies in your brain, getting it down into that beta alpha frequency to enable you to calm down, switch off from the day, gather your thoughts. But on a personal note, I'm, I'm a big believer that it is in no way a replacement for sleep. And, and give it a shot. Replace, at, instead of going to sleep at, at 10, 11 o'clock at night, meditate and do it consistently throughout the night and see how you feel in the morning. I have actually done that on a plane journey yeah. where I was going transatlantic and found actually it was quite beneficial. But I get what you're saying. Mm. So this me on to kind of my next question. Is as you get older, does your need for sleep change? I know older people generally sleep less. It does change. And, and, and this is a catch-22 that obviously the older you get, typically your day-to-day -day becomes less strenuous. The amount of physical exertion uh, decreases. But having said that, 10 minutes of walking up a flight of stairs, five minutes of walking up a flight of stairs when you're in your 80s is significantly more stressful and strenuous in your body than when you're in your 30s, 40s and 50s. So as a result of that, yes, as you grow older, typically what happens is your body tends to wake up more at night. Your bathroom breaks, uh, inconsistent sleep patterns, you still need your optimal amount of sleep. Your body still needs to recover. Uh, so therefore, I'm a believer that, yes, the older you get, you should do your best um, to get more sleep because of the amount of strain and because you want to give your body that chance to recover from the day. Mm. Do you think you can actually be taught how to sleep? I think we know how to sleep. It's As I mentioned earlier, it's one of these innate gifts that we've been given. We've been given the gift of waking up and exercising and knowing how to exert physical energy. It's what we do as humans, is what we do as a species. And we've also been given the gift of a natural ability to go to sleep. I've, I've never met a newborn baby who's insomnia, who's, who's struggling with insomnia or sleep deprivation. I truly believe that it's a learned habit. We've learned how not to switch off. We've learned how to develop poor sleep hygiene because we are constantly demanding so much of ourselves. I do it. I'm guilty of it. I sometimes go 18, 20 hours a day. And as a result of that, compounded over the years, we've almost taught our bodies not to switch off. And this is a really important point I'd like to make. Sleep is the end product, right? You can't just go sleep. It doesn't happen. Sleep is the accumulation of a number of activities combined both mentally, psychologically, and physiologically 
that are consistently obeyed. And I use that word obeyed because you need to obey it. If you don't and you abuse it, it's going to kick you in the butt as you grow older. Done over time, done over the day, uh, done over the weeks and the months, that then enable you to sleep really easily. For example, we have in our body an autonomic nervous system. We call it the ANS. It consists of parasympathetic activity and sympathetic activity. Sympathetic activity we use when we're active, when we're straining, when we're in the gym, when we're working, day to day. Right now, you and I will predominantly be using sympathetic activity because we're working. Yeah. As we get later and later in the day, our body starts to body temperatures change. As we get into the nighttime, we typically want to be more in parasympathetic activity. Classic example, have you ever eaten on the run when you're working? Yeah. Really quickly. Yeah. Right? We do it all the time. How's that affected your lactic acid in your body and your digestion? You almost feel a bit fuller as opposed to sitting down, eating quietly, having that 30, 45 minutes to yourself, right? Yeah. Same thing with sleep, that unless your body engages in a parasympathetic activity as you get into the later parts of the day, getting into the early sleep cycles, your body will be fighting internally as a result of the conscious strain that you've put on it, as opposed to the natural, innate, parasympathetic conditioning um, that our bodies need and uh, and that's how they function. So therefore, that's why you get a lot of people say, I can't switch off at night. I'm wired. I mean, you you just mentioned about eating on the run. So are there foods? Is there any nutrition that you shouldn't be taking before you go to bed or you think is not advisable? They're the basics. I mean, for the detailed, you need to consult nutritionist, a qualified nutritionist. But the basics, avoid caffeine before you go to bed. Avoid sugary foods before you go to bed because it's going to increase your energy levels. Um Again, if you're looking at, um, it's important to make sure that if you're taking sleep seriously and you're struggling at the moment with sleep challenges and sleep deprivation, sleep problems, try and change your lifestyle a little bit before you go to bed. So for example, try not to eat at least 60 to 75 minutes, in some cases 90 minutes before you go to bed to give your body the time to digest. Remember, when your body's digesting food, it's straining. It's working. It's physically working like you're going to the gym. It's a digestion gym in your stomach. So as a result of that, if you're going to bed half an hour after you've eaten, your body's going to be more in strain than in relaxation, right? So 90 minutes before, do your best to try and get your meals done, try and get your food in you. Okay. So how do you actually balance out your sleep problems? I mean, what advice can you give on that? Do, do naps help? You know, can you catch up at the weekend on sleep you haven't had? So two points there. One, work backwards. Think of, the, think of it in an ideal world, when would you like to be in bed? Uh, so two questions <laughs> right, yeah, all day, right now. Um, it's two points here. In an ideal world, when would you like to be fast asleep? Whether it's by 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And that's where you've got to work backwards from. Have you ever gotten into bed and within 30 seconds you've just fallen asleep? All the time. Right. Have you ever gone into bed and within 45 minutes you're still wired and you can't get to sleep? Absolutely. It happens, right? So work backwards. When would you like to be asleep, fast asleep? About 30 to 45 minutes before that time, that's when you want to start really getting into bed, start preparing your nighttime routine. About 30 to 45 minutes to an hour before then, you have to... And I know it's difficult. We're all guilty of it. We all do it. Like I said, this is not... 
if you can implement some of this at least two to three days a week, it's going to make a dramatic shift uh, in, in, in your ability to get a good night's sleep. About 45 minutes to an hour before then, you've got to make sure that you're doing something relaxing, something calming, you're switching off. That doesn't mean you're grabbing for the phone and you're on your laptop checking your emails and you're on your phone, you're checking your Instagram and your Facebook. Something less strenuous for your body. Remember, sleep isn't for your mind. Yes, it's critical for cognition. It's critical for mental health. Sleep is for your body. Hence why reading a book, taking a bath before you go to bed, um, watching some light, fun-hearted TV, some basic things you can do at least 90 minutes to two hours before you're going to bed is going to help your body get into that parasympathetic activity and help it get into a lot more of a restful, calming state before you get into bed as opposed to frantically rushing into bed. Okay. You just mentioned sort of light-hearted television, but do you think the increase in technology over the years has contributed to sleep deprivation and, and anxiety? What about, and I'm not even going to talk about nightmares, but do you think all the technology that we have now that we use and constantly that we have around us is causing us to sleep less? So I don't think the technology is the cause. I think it's our obsessive use of it. Right. The technology is going to be there. And if it's not technology, there'll be another there'll be another aspect of it. The technology is only going to increase. And a lot of the technology is proving to be really helpful. What we need to look at is our addiction to it. And I truly believe that we're living in a time where we are developing unhealthy, obsessive addictions to our technology. We want to check Instagram at least 25 times before we go to bed. We want to check the latest Facebook post 100 times before we go to bed. And like I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Just try not to do it 10 minutes before you're going to bed because it's going to wire you. We're living in a culture of likes. We're living in a culture of social anxiety. Our fear of what other people think of us has escalated because well let's face it you're at least I look my phone is there I can I can it's, it'll take me three seconds to establish what the world thinks of me I simply need to post a picture of myself and see how many likes I get and that's verification that the world either loves me or they think I'm absolutely crazy that's youth baby right and and we're seconds away from that so it fuels our anxiety which in turn fuels the strain that our bodies go through. And when do we look at our phones? All the time. Right before we go to bed. <laughs> and you notice that the last thing you do before you go to bed, quick check, first thing you do when you wake up. Having said that, I mean, I've been reading a lot about sleep and one thing and another. I always turn my phone on to um, airplane mode. Brilliant. And is that is that something that you advocate? Yeah, definitely. You're an exception to the rule. Ah. So anyone listening to this... Do yourself the favor. The phone's still going to be there in the morning. Social media's still going to be there in the morning. The billions of people we're trying to get to follow us on Instagrams and Facebooks and Twitters, and they're not going away. Put it down. Give yourself a 60-minute 60, 60 break. In fact, I'm going to challenge anyone listening to this. I'm going to give you 30 days every day for 30 days, right? Because we don't do light challenges. It's pointless doing it one day a week. Every day for 30 days. Put your phone and don't check it 60 minutes before you go to bed unless it's an absolute emergency. See how long you can do it for. That is a real challenge. Wow. Every day for 30 days. And I promise you, you stick to that within two weeks, it will fundamentally change not only your level of relaxation and calmness. In the beginning, you're going to be stressed. 
because you're going to be, it's that addiction, right? It's that addiction that we develop. It's that fear of loss. It's that, oh, oh my God, what's going to happen? The whole world's going to end. World is not going to end. We're still going to be there in the morning, 60 minutes, 30 days, every day, and see how long you can last. Give yourself that gift for crying out loud. Oh, I love that. I'm coming up to Christmas, guys. Here you go. Yeah, you've got to give the gift of sleep at Christmas. The gift of sleep at Christmas. Um, so I want to come back a minute. Yeah. You were talking about when you were young and you were talking about that you finally went to a cranial osteopath. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, as a child, if you'd have been taken to a cranial osteopath when you're in two or three, that you wouldn't have had this problem? Difficult to tell. I can base it on the evidence that when I did go to that, uh, to, to, to Jenny, to the lady, that it helped instantly. Yeah. So logic would prevail that whether it's the receptivity, and a lot of this, as you know, is an unproven science. It can work for someone and completely have no effect for the other person. Whether, I, again, I was in more of a receptive psychology at the time, possibly. I mean, part of my um, challenge growing up with sleep was the fact that I, I had severe epilepsy when I was growing up as a child. And one of the one of the the the, the onsets, the symptoms uh, when you get over the epilepsy is obviously you got a shot. Your immune system's shot to pieces. So I was it was constantly ill, constantly battling with colds, coughs, earaches, nonstop. And as a result of that, that kicks in at night because your body gets into fight mode because it can't recover fast enough. Um, it's often where you've ever had the flu and you can't sleep when you have the flu because your body is just using all of its energy to fight the flu as opposed to use its energy to get you to sleep. People got to realize this. Your body needs energy to sleep, right? It doesn't just shut down. It works. When you go to bed, that thing goes to work. It helps you recover. So if you're not letting it do that by getting in the way, by pushing it too much, guess what? It's just going to say, okay, I'm going to switch off. And that's where things get serious. So, yeah, I reckon if I did go to see her earlier, I reckon there's a fighting chance that um, it would have helped a lot sooner. So, for instance, mothers with new babies. Right. They're often, you know, the baby's mm. up during the night. Yeah. So you've got the, the baby that's waking up for milk or, you know, it's up crying, whatever. They can use this program to help regenerate themselves. Can they use the snooze mode to get back into their sleep once they've been disturbed? Definitely. With mothers, so in the early days, you may recall with with our work together at, at EF Medispa, we had a lot of um, we had a we had a lot of new mums come in and um, use especially the power napping tool that they would put on safely so they could listen, they could hear their baby when the baby wakes up. Um, when the baby was napping, when um, there was a, either a, the partner was at home uh, able to look after the baby, mums would use the power napping tool to be able to um, switch off. And, and that was helpful. You're listening to The Beauty Biz with Esther Fieldgrass. So we've had a couple of questions from listeners. Firstly, Sharani wants to know how many hours sleep do you really need per night? I mean, you kind of talked about that, but Margaret Thatcher famously only needed four. And look how that turned out. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, you can... I I thought she was fabulous. What's she going on about? And, And the onset of a lot of the health challenges. Yeah. Right. I mean, Iron Lady, by 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 real definition, a phenomenal woman, absolutely phenomenal. Political opinions to one side. 
a phenomenal force of nature. Like her, love her, the one thing you... Like her, love her, hate her, the one thing you couldn't do was ignore her. True. Right? So, Bit like me. Right. <laughs> no comment. Um, so, give it a shot. Sleep four hours a night. See how you get on. Okay. I wouldn't advise it. I don't In fact, know. stop. So, Martha from Huddersfield asks, I struggle to sleep at night, but always feel very tired during the day. Why is this? And what can I do about it? Go to sleep more? I don't know. Tell us, what do you think about that? So let's separate the potential cause of tiredness during the day. I mean, look, it it, it may be the fact that she's not sleeping. Um, But I would consult a physician. I'd consult her doctor around uh, the daytime tiredness, especially if it's becoming excessive. Martha, if it's getting to a point where you're struggling to cope and struggling to fulfill your day-to-day activities because of the tiredness, then I'd go and see a, a sleep specialist, Get go to a sleep clinic, consult a professional, uh, because you don't want that to continue. No, actually, I had a friend that had something similar to this, right. and she was hypoglycemic. Right. So her blood sugar levels would go up high and then right. dip, yeah. and then she became really tired. So Got really it. need to go to a doctor and check this out. Uh, completely. Uh, first step, because it may not be the sleep deprivation that's causing the tiredness. It may be something else. So, so do get it checked out. Don't wait any longer. So Chris from London asks... Um, what about kids? My kids are bad sleepers. Could this be affecting them or their development? How do I get them into a sleep pattern? Difficult to advise um, without finding a little bit more detail on what um, what he exactly means about being a bad sleeper. But I can answer the second question. Yes, of course. Having a good bedtime routine, and by good I mean consistent. Consistency is key with a bedtime routine so that with your children it becomes habitual. And a morning routine to ensure that there's consistency in the morning uh, will help significantly uh, in in not only calming them down, because chances are if they're poor sleepers, they're probably quite active. If they're young, they've got that vibrant, young, youthful energy. And it's important that that's not hindered. But at the same time, they need to have consistent pre-bedtime routines uh, and consistent morning routines when they wake up. Stuff like homework, try and get it done early, try and ensure they're not eating too late. Stick to the basics. uh, But again, difficult to comment without knowing how old they are. Okay, I'm just going to throw a question in here, Tej. I mean, my whole emphasis is about anti-aging, about staying youthful. Mm. So, you know, for a lot of women that are out there, they're not sleeping enough. How do I get that across them? They need to have more sleep. What What is it that I can actually say to women? You need to sleep more to look younger. So there's, there's the, the fear route and the inspiration route. And, and as President Obama once said, fear is one of the greatest motivators. So let's install a little bit of fear. So this is what happens when you don't go to bed and when you don't sleep properly. Number one, it weakens your immune system. So if you cannot wait to get colds, flus and coughs, uh, if you cannot wait to spend most of your time on day nurse and LEMSIP, carry on the way you are. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's going to increase your blood pressure significantly. Uh, so good luck dealing with that one in your 50s and your 60s. Number three, mood swings, big mood fluctuations. So if you enjoy uh, feeling frustrated, if you enjoy having a low uh, ability to handle stress, strain and pressure, keep going the way you're going and carry on being sleep deprived. Uh, lastly, a second to last, um, it's it will affect your ability to retain and recall information. You will develop memory issues. You will develop. You will begin to forget the basics as it progresses. And of all the 
of all the products that exist in the world today, and, and Esther, you're, you're the world expert on this, the one that we've been given, the one that has been tried and tested over time to consistently maintain uh, youthfulness is sleep. And it's one that's natural, and it's one that we can do if we take it seriously. Wow. So ladies, those of you who are out there, please rush and download the uh, sound waves now. So Tej, thanks so much for joining us here today. It's been great having you. Thank you very much for having me, Esther, and good luck with the rest of the series. Thank you. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed our latest podcast. Do please rate and review us and subscribe if you haven't already. So until next time then, bye. The Beauty Biz with Esther Fieldgrass. Follow EF Medispa on Instagram. And to find out more about us, go to efmedispa.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.